to head on goal, and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside, the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders. the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Rooney, the net is empty. Big collision by the captain. That is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Bacosta. The Stateside Soccer Show with Logan and Jordan. Hello and welcome to episode 60 of the Stateside Soccer Show emergency podcast here. We were actually (laughs) planning to spend the whole time talking about NWSL, but then the Inter-Miami sanctions came down. So we'll open with that and then we'll move on to our NWSL stuff. This also means I'm probably not getting a chance to do the closed pyramid this weekend. (laughs) Uh, But... You know what? Uh, I will just double it up on Monday. Probably I'll probably just do it Monday and talk about uh, both last weekend and this weekend. All in one fell swoop. With me, as always, is Logan Stump. How's it going? It's uh, it's uh, nice out here. It's uh, really, really warm. But you're looking pretty far out there with your. I kit. am out of this world, man. <laughs> I've got my Orlando Pride kit on that I ordered. It's the Astro one. So it's a, it's probably my favorite kit that I've ever owned. But it's pretty nice. Yeah, it's really awesome. So. Uh, but how was your uh, how was your weekend? So I mean, your week. Uh good. So Thursday week we uh, ended the school year with the kids. So we've got two really? more days You're left. Done? Yeah, we got oh, wow. two more days left that I have to work. Um, but uh, Tuesday is going to be mostly just kind of checking in, make sure everything's okay, and then Wednesday we have like a breakfast at. Oh, that's not really a breakfast. I don't know what it is. It's breakfast like a meeting at eleven fifteen that runs into like a, a lunch. I have no idea. But uh, yeah, we're we're pretty much done and, and wow. wrapping up the year. So it's exciting stuff. I wish I had a school year to end. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> Two months off of work. That'd be great right now. Uh, no, well, my vacation's coming up soon. So that's that true. Right. You'll be in my neck of the woods. Yeah. I'm not going to see you though. I'm just going to say no. We We don't, don't, like we said, we don't talk outside. We don't actually know each other very well. Oh gosh. Uh, Well, the uh, so I guess we can get into the sanctions here. Uh, You know, this is atypical for us because we usually did the you know we did our preview of the games last time we did an episode, which was we recorded Tuesday, released on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And we thought, okay, well, we're not talking MLS for another week, and uh, here we are. Uh, so we still won't touch on any of the games. We've already previewed those on the other show. This will just be about the sanctions here. I made some graphics for it as well um, that are sourced as well. So there you go. But, um, yeah, so I guess we can get started with the full sanctions. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play it on here real quick. 
This is a tweet from Tom Bogert. MLS announced sanctions on Inter-Miami signing of Blaze Matuidi in 2020. A $2 million fine to Inter-Miami. $250,000 fine to Jorge Mas. Paul McDonough suspended through the end of the 2022 season. If you recall, in January, he moved over to Atlanta, back to Atlanta. Reduction of, here's where we get specific, $2,271,250 in allocation money for the 2022 and 2023 seasons. Pretty much ensuring that Miami can't be competitive, right? I mean, that's a pretty hefty, like losing almost two and a half million of allocation money for two straight seasons. It's pretty brutal. Uh, what they found out is that this team actually had five DPs <laughs> in 2020 uh, and still, still lost to Nashville 3 0 in the playoffs. Um, that's just the power of Dax over the power of, uh, you know, the power of Miami spending money. One thing I liked about Miami is that I guess they were spending some sort of money, but it looks like they were spending too much money or not accounting the money correctly. I don't know what the official, how we should officially phrase this. Um, they had to know what they were doing. What I find interesting, though, is I'll share this too here. This is uh, Pablo Maurer's uh, update to a Stayskull and Tenorio athletic article, but he's reporting what the Atlanta Journal-Constitution Doug, uh, Doug Robinson and ESPN Jeff Carlisle reported back in March 5th, which says Paul McDonough is not involved in the MLS investigation. Uh, it says, according to uh, multiple reports, McDonough has been cleared of any wrongdoing. And then we get this. He suspended through the 2022 season. And then we got this, which is an Atlanta statement uh, yesterday that says effective May 27th, which was Thursday. So they knew about this coming down earlier than the rest of the world. Uh, Paul McDonough. Vice President of Soccer Operations, mutually agreed to part ways with Atlanta United. A search for his successor is underway. So what do you make of all this, Logan? When you look at the Paul McDonough stuff, is it just bad information that Jeff Carlisle and Doug Robertson got? Or when they were investigating, did they find out maybe more? I mean, this is a guy that has been in the league he helped Orlando get launched. He helped Atlanta get launched. Then he went to Miami. Then he went back to Atlanta. And I think some people thought it was surprising that he left Miami in December, which was after only one season. And uh, don't know if maybe this is like a fall guy situation where he was he knew it was coming, so he just left. Mm -hmm. and he said, Let me get out of there before they figure this out. Or what exactly happened, but I wouldn't think that Paul McDonough would do this. I think he would almost have to be pressured to do this because he's built teams without this. So mm. I, that's why I'm not uh, sure what they may have found on him that made him get suspended when initially they said uh, he's not even part of the investigation. Well, that, that's the one thing I was wondering too. Maybe, and it uh, the, the league is young, so I think that they try to stay out of the limelight with this kind of stuff because I, I did see some interesting stuff. I think Doyle might have tweeted it. Um, 
uh, or it might have been site. Uh, was it? How do you say it? Sideshow. Um, yeah. yeah. So I, I think they tweeted something along the lines of, "If you want this league to grow, then it, you know, making these jokes about the fact that, and, and not even jokes, making comments about um, teams should just spend because that's what they should do. They need to spend money uh, and grow this league because that's what they, you know, that's how you grow into like this super league kind of thing that the Premier League has, uh, where you just spend a bunch of money." And they were joking about like, "Hey, you know, you got five DPs." that's fine. Like that's what the league needs to start moving towards is more of these DP signings so that, you know, they can be competitive uh, in that league. Um, so I think that, you know, looking at this from the outside in it, it, it's tough because you wonder if McDonough had something to do with maybe other violations that they found through the investigation, but they don't want to come out with that and say, Hey, he did this with Orlando. He did this with Miami. He also is doing it with Atlanta. It, you know, you don't want all that, I don't think, coming out of the closet because then I think you're hurting the the image of the league too. So maybe MLS, like MLS has always been, it's been rather like, you know, opaque, I guess. It's not been that where you can see directly through it and it's transparent because transparency is just not what the MLS has been about. Um, and I think that this is where it hurts. I think that if everything was transparent, then even fans or even people outside of the league or writers or journalists call attention to like, hey, Miami looks like they've got five DPs. That's kind of suspicious. It's, you know, I think that that's hurt the MLS some. I think that Don Garber needs to have the league be more transparent because when we can see it as a fans, it's like, okay, we know this is going on. We know this cheating is going on. Let's fix it. Instead of like this whole thing where they've hidden it behind closed doors and then this all comes out and who knows how many things he's impacted, who knows how many clubs he's had some kind of touch to. So it's, maybe they find something else in the investigation that they're just not letting on because I do think it's weird that, you know, initially they come out and say, well, he had nothing to do with this. Maybe it was Atlanta dropping that. So Atlanta can cover their butt. Like, Hey, you know, let's leak the sources that McDonough is still employed. He won't be fired so that they can be like, okay, so in case not a lot comes out about him, we can still keep him retained because he does develop a team really well. But I think that that, you know, it has just got all sorts of weird, bring to it i think that it's just the transparency alone um i think maybe he had a lot more to do with different things that we just don't know about because the mls isn't going to let us know do you think this these penalties are enough for what they've done um yeah i think they're hefty enough to that's a lot of money in mls uh especially for a club that like it while they do spend it didn't look like they were spending it's Good essentially a $4 million fine. They have right. a $2 million fine, and then they have a reduction of almost $2.5 million mm-hmm. in allocation money. So you're losing about $4 million that you could potentially have spent or maybe even $2 million of profits. Like, we right. don't really know. And they love DPs, obviously. So, I mean, that <laughs> they, they, they have a surplus of them, or did. Uh, and that's what Jordan, I remember you texted me and was like, Andres Reyes is he still on the is he still on their payroll? It's like no, he's with Red Bulls now, and that but that's like, but who else? I mean, who else? Yeah, is could on you that imagine list? if they still had four? Like they're like, <laughs> so we thought we fixed it when we shipped out. Uh, who, who did they ship out again? I'm trying to figure it. He's been Andres gone. For, no, no, it was uh, oh. the the other. Oh, 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 uh, Pellegrini. Yes, yes, yeah. Pellegrini. Ship him out, right? Lose money on him, pretty much, and then. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they didn't ship out Reyes, then they'd be like, well, now you still have four, so we actually have to find you like another, what, $2 million? Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. like, what do you... 
and then they also on top of that it's not just those actually i gotta find uh the other tweet i didn't have this one prepared but our friend kobe price from um you know we had him on to preview this and we asked him about this kind of stuff beforehand when it was it was like just announced at that point um they also underreported the salaries of figal uh Leo Gonzalez Perez and Carazana, uh, Carananza. So, what were you doing? Why were you underreporting salaries? That means yeah. they could have also have been, if you were underreporting enough, they could have been DPs as well. Like, I mean, it's confusing. Um, like, what's the benefit of underreporting their salary if they're not a DP player anyway? You know, like that's that's what I don't know. But it, it's interesting that uh, I was actually really surprised Atlanta let go. Well, I guess I wasn't surprised once the once the the uh, the hammer was dropped and he's suspended through all of next season as well. But I, I was just surprised by the Paul McDonough thing because I think I even texted you. I was like, didn't they say he's like not part of the investigation? And like that's what I had to go back and look for that today because I was like, I know I'm not crazy. Like they totally said that he wasn't part of it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I saw some people saying that if MLS actually cared, they should have fined, like, uh, reduced points for them. Um, my question would be, like, what points? They don't really yeah. have any points. Just blank them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Just get rid of all their points and then make them move to, like, Montreal where they can't play anymore. They are uh, – they have eight points this season. So, yeah, maybe deduct seven. Eight. I don't know. Eight. Like I don't like point deduction unless it's going to come after the like season only because I, I don't, I don't really know how you would determine like how many, and that's the thing about the fine. I'm like, that's such a specific like number. Oh, for <laughs> the allocation. Yeah. Part? It's like, how did they come up with like, you I know, think, using just straight, like, I uh, think they had to have come up with it in a way of like, what they're when they did for. math. Yeah. Of like, okay, well you had these extra DPs, if you would have bought them down with allocation money, it would have been this much. Mm-hmm. So we find you this much, maybe. I don't know, because that is very specific. And, and so then ownership doesn't get any sanctions. It's just this one person, which makes it really kind of strange. I mean, they're eventually well, it's McDonough and yeah. Jorge Moss gets right. the gets a slap on the wrist. Fine, right. um, but yeah, nothing about Beckham getting a fine. Right, that was never going to happen. They were never going to be like. I mean, they gave them this team for pretty much a huge discount, so they're not yeah. going to be like they don't want to tarnish the name of Beckham in the league as well. That's why I feel like somebody had to know this was coming down the the line. I think because you have McDonough leave in December, mm-hmm. you have Beckham at the end of last season be like, "I'm going to be more hands on now because I'm upset with how bad we were." But was it more of a like? If I say I'm more hands-on now, people can excuse I wasn't hands-on when this was going down. Maybe that's me being a little cynical or not. But, you know, I don't think it's a surprise that he put a lot of his people in, like Phil Neville, and he started taking more of a... Like, what if he was still involved last year? But he's like, oh, what if I just, you know, like, nobody's reported I've <laughs> what yeah. if I just say I'm just getting involved now yeah. after like somebody tips him off that this thing's going to happen. McDonough leaves. He's like, I got to get out of there. And then, you know, he's like, well, 
they can't associate me with it if I just get hands on now, so I can't get it fined or anything. But I don't think they would have fined him anyway. I think that the punishment is big enough to to where it kind of deters any other club from really trying this too. I, I don't. I mean, this is really kind of skeezy to be honest. You, you're you're just you're making you're fudging numbers for. I don't know, like what's not really an advantage because none of those players have really kind of pan out. So, I, you know, I don't, it's, it's good enough because it'll scare the other clubs that may be involved with different things. And, and that's what you need. If, if they came down a little lighter, then, you know, there's clubs out there that might do this more often than it, and, you know, try to really go up against the line and maybe not cross it. So I, I, I like the punishment. I, I think that it's good enough and i think that you know miami fans are going to be upset with the ownership and everything because i think that everybody's in charge of uh kind of checking each other and making sure that the club's operating in the way it needs um but yeah it's <laughs> it's a dumpster fire we we knew it was somewhat in the in the preseason we knew it was going to be bad but like this is this will hurt for a couple years uh yeah, this is and, bigger than i thought it yeah, would be. yeah this is this is bad for a club that is trying to get up off the ground this is bad for maybe their their stadium that they've been talking about this is bad just all around where that drive pink might just be the, the stadium now and yeah this is this is rough but it, it's it needed to happen so that this league doesn't turn into kind of a laughing stock when it comes to this stuff Hey, you know what? This is more than UEFA's done for some of their violations. <laughs> uh, looking at City and yeah, ignoring them all. <laughs> yeah, like oh, you uh, you appealed. All right, yeah, never mind. We're uh, <laughs> they were just kidding. Yeah. By the way, I just want to say we're recording this during the Brentford Swansea game. Brentford mm-hmm. is up two nil. They just had one bounce almost over the line. Mm-hmm. They've had four shots, two on target. Then the one that almost just went in. It's 23 minutes in, and it looks like Brentford is well on its way to breaking that curse that we talked about on Stoppage Time Soccer Show of being like the team that's reached this final (laughs) the most and not getting in, and they're going to – it looks like they're going to get in unless something drastic happens. Parity in the Premier League. You never never hear much about it, but it's coming. So So let's talk some NWSL. Let's talk the main main part of the show here. So I have their – where is it? Here it is. Let me move that closer to all my other stuff. Okay. I have uh, the current standings as we currently sit here. Orlando Pride in first. Seven points out of three games. All these teams have played three except for Rain and Gotham FC. So you have the Pride in first. The Carolina, North Carolina Courage in second with four points. Racing Louisville in third with four points. Uh, Rain in fourth with four points. Uh, you have New Jersey, New York, Gotham in uh, fifth place with four points out of two games. Chicago Red Stars in sixth with four points. Washington Spirit in seventh with four points. Portland Thorns in eighth with three points. And ninth place, Kansas City NWSL, a great name right now. Uh, they're in ninth with two points. And Houston Dash in 10th. What is it about these Houston teams? Uh, <laughs> uh, are in 10th. Um, now, this is Kansas City NWSL's first season after they switched from Utah Royals again back to Kansas City. 
So that's why they have kind of like a basic crest and name. I assume that'll change. Um, Racing Louisville, this is their first full season in the league as well. So they're doing pretty well to start the season. We had a rebrand from Sky Blue FC to the New Jersey, New York Gotham FC, which is great. Look at this crest here. If you haven't looked it up, Google New, you know, NJNY Gotham FC. I'm a big Batman guy, so I love anytime Gotham's in a name. I know that's a name for New York as well, but uh, I need like a kit or a scarf that says Gotham FC on it. I need it. But I like the I like the Lady Liberty and the crest <laughs> there. I think that's really great. It's much better than Sky Blue FCs if you want to look that up. Um, so lots of new rebrands, new teams, all this stuff going on. Uh, but the uh, the Pride are in first. That is Logan's team. He could go see some games with his season ticket. Mm-hmm. Um, nice kit you have on there and everything. What's your thoughts here? Alex Morgan leads the league with <laughs> three. I mean, it's only been three games, yeah. but she, she leads the league. She's you know a brand-new mother. She's back on the pitch, uh, her and Sydney LaRue uh, together in Orlando. But what's your thoughts on the Pride? They also have... You know, Marta. Yeah, I, they. It's fun because, uh, and that's what I told Ashley. I said I'm gonna have bring you back for a Pride game just because the the girls that have come through the Pride system and, and playing for that organization. I was like, there, there's legends. Alex Morgan's a legend for the U.S. Marta's a legend for Brazil. Um, you've got Ashlyn Harris. You've got Ali Krieger. You've got people that have been on these teams that have just dominated the world, um, especially our girls in the, for the U.S. Um, it's and they're a lot of fun to watch. I, I think watching Alex Morgan play, you're starting to see her get back to that like scary uh, form because mm-hmm. you know they, they when she's coming back after uh, birthing her child, she comes back and you, you're wondering like how much time does she need to get back up to speed? I think she's found it. I mean, this last game that I saw that the one goal that she had was just unbelievable. She had it to where uh, it was uh, Taylor Corniak puts one up, kind of lofts it over, and she's really good. Too. I mean, they just got her out of college. I forget where exactly she was in school, but she lofts one up over, and Alex Morgan kind of takes a volley off the ground and, it, and kicks it through. And that was just like an Alex Morgan goal. Um, and then Alex Morgan celebrations are one of the best, just watching her uh, kind of the, the wheels turning as she's thinking about, hey, I'm going to score here. What am I going to do? Um, she's had a Ted Lasso uh, celebration, which everybody got a kick out of. But watching, being able to go down the street and watch probably the best U.S. player that we've had in a long time um, play soccer is is something that's quite amazing. I think that, you know, the girls that you can go and see uh, on a nightly basis based on who is where and who's coming into town, um, it's a lot of fun. But, but getting to watch, like, three people that I grew up watching um, in – World Cups because they, they are just dominant in World Cups. Um, being able to see Alex Morgan, uh, being able to go down the street and see Sydney LaRoe, uh, two that are up in the you know top of the league in, in scoring this year, um, leading an Orlando Pride team that's got a beautiful stadium because they play where Orlando City plays. They've got a great fan base. They've got good support. Um, and just you know being able to enjoy soccer on both sides, men and women, uh, it's a lot of fun because they're both they're both unbeaten right now. Um, so that that's a cool thing uh, to kind of celebrate. And then the Will family coming in and maybe bringing in more talent, more money. Um, it's a pretty exciting time in Orlando uh, and being able to watch uh, two really good goalkeepers in Ashton Harris and then uh, Pedro Galisi. Uh, 
just kind of dominate between the posts uh, is a lot of fun. And then you got Olympics coming up. So you're like, Hey, I can go see Alex Morgan before she heads off and hopefully wins uh, an Olympic gold medal with the U S. So yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, I'm having a blast. I watched the game on Wednesday and it was a really good game. They, they beat uh, Portland, which is, is a very tough team in the NWSL. Um, and as they add more teams, uh, I think it's going to get even better. The, yeah, the game that you just talked about against Portland was on Paramount Plus. That was on Wednesday. Friday, they had the Courage versus Racing Louisville on Twitch, on their official mm-hmm. Twitch channel. Courage won that one 5-0. They're a perennial contender every year, the Courage. Uh, so they're right below as well. Today, the May 29th game, there is a Houston Dash versus Chicago Red Stars at 7.30 on CBS Sports Network. Um and that's the only game today. And then they don't have another game. And they play Monday. They have a game tomorrow. Uh, they have a game tomorrow. Uh, they have some. Oh, yeah, tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Tomorrow they have the Gotham FC versus Portland Thorns, 3 p.m. on Paramount Plus. That's at Red Bull Arena. Six o'clock, Orlando Pride versus Kansas City and WSL. That's on six o'clock on Paramount Plus. And then the OL Rain versus Washington Spirit at seven o'clock on Paramount Plus. And then they have a break until June fifth. Uh, just like you know, then they have they only play on the weekends, no midweek games this upcoming week. Um, yeah. So interesting here, OL Rain. Uh, you know that is a team that was uh, purchased. It, it's based in Tacoma. It's you know originally the Seattle Rain. Um, they recently switched, uh, to, when did they switch to OL Rain? They switched in, uh, 2020. Yeah. That's why I'm still not used to it. Um, so like the Seattle Rain, uh, the Seattle Rain used to play in Seattle. Now they play in Tacoma. I think the same stadium Tacoma Defiance play. Uh, yes. Um, Oh, and there's doing a new soccer-specific stadium that's going to host Rain and Tacoma Defiance games that is currently in the works. So that's good. Um, I guess it was just too much money to have them in the have them in the uh, the same one as Seattle, Sanders, yeah. yeah, the Lumen Field, because you know renting that is probably <laughs> yeah expensive for a team. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not sure how much the Rain used to pull in, but I I don't like that they were. I don't like their new look. It looks very like, like French. Like I, I saw them playing, um, and this is before I started following, obviously, but I, I saw it playing, I think it was like, yeah, it was, it was Challenge Cup. And and I saw the name and I'm like, why are, why are there French teams over here playing in the WSL? And then I had to look and I was like, oh, okay, so that's that's their rebrand. Okay, I got you. Do you um, know why do it I know French? Why? Uh, no, it doesn't make sense. I, I can't think of anything. They are now owned by the people that own Olympic Lyon. So that's why they're okay. OL Reign. That yeah. makes sense. All right. Yeah. yeah. So I, I wasn't like too it. far off. Yeah, no, it's very, yeah. It seems like they're, they're just displaced over here. Yeah. I mean, I, I, this is like, okay. Little rant time. We always get on MLS about European names and, and such. Mm. 
this is this is it for the NWSL. You know, uh, the rain name is still cool and awesome, but I don't like when they don't have some sort of the city's name in the title. So having it OL rain, like I remember the Seattle rain and I had to look up like, Oh, this is still Seattle. Right. Because, Mm -hmm. because there's no Seattle in the name anymore. Instead ownership put their name in it to link them with Olympic Lyon instead of, you know, cause, uh, because the, the, the European leagues for women over there is getting bigger as well. So they wanted to, I guess, have some sort of almost like an NYCFC type of thing with them, I guess, break into this market. But I'm just not a big fan of, you know, look, uh, there's a few things NWSL does better than MLS, which is sometimes the kits are better. You have some of the names are better like Gotham FC. This is something where you're taking, this is kind of like my idea for a Baltimore team. You're taking something that New York is known for and putting that in the name instead of just New York FC. It's New Jersey, New York, Gotham FC, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you're claiming both of those areas. But also, like, if I was to do Baltimore, I would say Charm City Soccer Club or something. Something where it's not just Baltimore FC. You know, so that way you're you're, you're using a nickname of the city to to help identify your team, which is what Gotham has done since switching from Sky Blue. And just looking at all of these teams, um, you know, you get that with like Chicago Red Stars instead of Chicago FC or whatever, you know? Orlando Pride, the North Carolina Courage. Like these have like a mix of old school names with the new names. But uh, Portland Thorns is great with Portland Timbers, you know, like it's Rose City. So you have the Thorns. It's 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 great. But then you have things like OL Rain, And it just feels like it misses that. Like, why should anybody in Seattle be a fan of the rain if it doesn't have any sort of identifying marks with their city type of thing? Mm-hmm. That's what I always wonder. It doesn't make but, sense. Yeah. I don't like it. <laughs> You're right. It's the only one that doesn't have any kind of link to back to, um, you know, kind of that tradition that they have with the city. Um, but yeah, I, I do like all the ones that they, that, that we currently have like racing Louisville is a cool name. Um, yeah, yeah. and I really do like their crest. It's very interesting. It's unique. Um, you know, I, it, again, why, why do owners, why do owners just get so far away and, and removed from what makes them so unique to their own cities? It's just beyond me. Cause it, it wouldn't be a choice that I would be sitting there actively thinking like, how can I change this name to make it look like it's not belonging to any of these cities? Right. So, <sighs> yeah. So, um, that's my little rant on that. Uh, what I do want to talk about as well here, have you heard about this? Uh, you know, the 15 year old player player, Playa, as I just Playa? said there, as a fifteen-year-old player, Olivia Moultrie. If I said that right, have you heard of her? Yes, I heard uh, the whole interesting saga with Portland. Yes, so this this girl wants to play professionally. She doesn't mm-hmm. want to like go to college right now. It doesn't seem like she wants to play professionally, and she's making the claim. She's suing. Uh, I'm not sure if she's suing the league itself, or I think she is. Um, she is suing because she says that anywhere else in the world she'd be able to play. So she thinks it's like an anti-trust type of thing, uh, which is, 
you know, usually these uh, leagues have like no problems with that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But so she's 15 years old and uh, a federal judge temporarily ordered to lift its age rule, which requires players to be at least 18 years old. Why is this even a rule? I don't know. <laughs> MLS, she could play at 15 mm-hmm. years old if she wanted to. And I think that's part of her claim as well. But a judge decided, okay, let's, you have to w- temporarily lift this age rule. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then Portland Thorns were like, okay, let's make a discovery claim on her <laughs> as soon as we can, right? Because they want her. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the league rejected the claim. And uh, Paul Tenorio had a great little bit about this yesterday as well. But the league said it was working on drafting new discovery rules for young players that could take several weeks. Why? The fa- so here's what the attorney said is, well, the family and lawyers are disappointed in the league's decision and think it's inconsistent with the letter or the spirit of the court's ruling. And I would agree with them. The the judge lifted this so so that she could be able to sign theoretically, right? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, this is kind of like discrimination a bit. Uh, other places in the world, even here in MLS, you can play at fifteen. So lift it. They lift it, and then Thorns are like, "All right, let's get her." And then the league's like, "No, because now we have to take weeks to find out a new discovery claim for younger players. Why? What's wrong with the discovery claim that works now?" What do you have to change? It's just to push it down, like Tenorio said, like kicking the can down the road a little bit longer <laughs> to try to figure out, all right, what do we do with this, you know, type of thing. And I think that's, it's messed up. Uh, I think part of it is obviously NWSL has been a place for eight years where some of our women's team and other players in the world that are kind of older have been able to play. And it's been one of the premier places for women's soccer. Mm -hmm. So if you have this talent of all these young people that are 15, 16 years old, that starts coming in, you're not going to be able to play Marta. That's 35 or 36 anymore. You know, you're going to push some of those players out of the view a bit because everybody's going to start looking for, younger cheaper talent and that is uh probably something that they're concerned about and i can understand that a bit but it sounds to me that she's kind of like a once in a generation type of talent if she's 15 going into Mm -hmm. here so i don't think that you would come across this issue all the time but what's your thoughts on it logan How, how do you see this going on i think it's tough because um like in comparison, and you know, it's tough to compare, but the the ability to play a 14 year old in any professional sport, 15 year old, could I, I could see where like ethically the league's like, I don't know if that's a good idea. If we give one, if we give the, the opportunity to this 15 year old to go travel wherever she wants to travel or he wants to travel, a 15 year old is still a minor, so it's and is going to be for a while. So I don't know if there's different rules and regulations that the league's like, hey, you know you're going to have to have a guardian with this person or like, you know, I, I don't know how that all works. If you had like a 14 or 15 year old traveling with an NWSL team, that's going to these hotels and staying by themselves 
and traveling and eating and and doing everything else that you know a normal professional team would do handling the press handling the, her image rights handling everything else i'm sure is factoring into some of this but then again it's also not fair if if you're going to allow 15 16 17 year old men to play then it is discrimination against women like you can't have you can't say that oh yeah they can do it but i don't know about female side of it i don't know if they can necessarily play but you're right i think it's also a threat to some of these older players if you had 16 17 18 year olds because maybe the the college uh the, the college stage for women isn't as comparative like if they can just jump that and go straight to pro and they get paid then why not do it it's the same in like the nba it's the same if you if you can play it professional then why not just jump to professional? What if she gets hurt, right? What if Olivia, you know, tears an ACL or, or does something in her high school or college career that that ends her chances to go professional instead of going straight to professional and having those doctors and, and those people to kind of take care of her body and her, and her health? Um, so maybe there's some logistics with age. Maybe that's why the league was so uh, against this. But I, 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 I side on the side of just, you know, this is a professional club this is a, a group of professionals um this girl has gen like you said generational talent so let her play let her you know uh, the, if you're gonna let 15 and 16 year olds play in other leagues then you you've got to do the same for nwsl and i think that while yes there's an allure to it i think that it does kind of hurt the older players because they're going to get pushed out like a marta i mean you're going to start seeing older players not be as valuable here in this league because NWSL is just brand new and they, they don't have as much money yet, then you might see some of these clubs start reaching out to 16, 17, 18-year-olds, bypass the college experience and come play for my professional team and we can develop you here uh, over those years. So I don't know, it's tough. Um, but if it's a talent like this, then I, I could see the league why it would be so intriguing to have her on the pitch and playing with <laughs> like she's playing with Alex Morgan at the age of 15 when she should be a sophomore in high school. So, right. Like <laughs> that's so like, that's mind blowing to me um, just because you wouldn't see it in most sports. Uh, a 15 year old that can just step right in and play, but they think that she could. So I want to see it like for my own personal um, just entertainment. But I think that, yeah, I mean, it's discrimination. So you can't really, tell her no like if the if she's following all the rules and she makes that life choice then then i guess then let her do what she wants i don't know so moultrie testified in court last week that she was only asking for a chance to play soccer in the u.s professionally like girls her age who can play abroad or american boys now do in the u.s this is from an article on OregonLive.com. Here's how in deep she is with the Thorns already. She currently practices with the Thorns, plays in unofficial scrimmages and preseason games against other professional teams, and has her own locker in the Thorns locker room. <laughs> That's how it's like, like an academy. Like yeah, yeah, exactly. So like she should be able to play. Yeah. Now the league's general counsel pretty much said what you said, Logan. They said that they're worried about safety for minors and sporting environments hours played and wages earned and labor restrictions that vary by state, depending on where the teams travel to play. Uh, what? But does that How apply to men? Like, right, right. And also <laughs> wouldn't it just be based not where you're playing. Wouldn't it be like Portland's rules, Oregon's rules, because that's where she's, that's her employer is based in Oregon. Yeah. And then she goes to like California to play a game. I mean, yeah. it's, it shouldn't be like that difficult. 
Because mm-hmm. um, like you said, we have 16-year-olds and 15-year-olds make MLS, you know, like debuts and stuff. So Freddie Adu was on DC United at 14. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm not really <laughs> exactly sure on right. what if that holds up. And then one of their other attorneys who represented the league said that uh, it is the league's sole discretion to reject any discovery player and argued that the discovery claims process is geared for potential players who register for the draft but don't get drafted. We don't want people trying to cherry-pick players and people trying to get special treatment. It's just, I mean... So they either need to figure out, one, a discovery claims process, or two, academies. Yeah. Start setting up women's academies Mm -hmm. for these young girls that are trying to go professional at a younger age. We have them for the men. You'd be able, it, it'll help the women's team as well, right? Even though they don't have a problem right now, you know, yeah. for World Cups. But think about, you know, the other part of the world is starting to catch up where if you start having academies like they do, I mean, look, you have teams like Chelsea Women's, that's really good team, and all these teams overseas, uh, some of the French teams. I think Lyon is a really good team as well, mm-hmm. which is why they probably bought the rain. But why can't they start setting up academies then? Yeah, I think it's it, one it's money, thing. money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, one it's money, but but that means, <laughs> that being said, why not adopt? So have like okay, Portland, you have an official, unofficial academy in like these travel teams because there, there's a couple of girls that play travel soccer that I teach and they're 15, 16, 18. Like they play for these like travel ball teams. And yeah. so why not deem like, Hey, this travel ball team in the state is a funnel system. Like basically homegrown rights where you can, you can have somebody from your state as long as they're playing for an academy that's registered with NWSL. So like have those academies playing in a league that's specifically NWSL related you know, sponsor it, whatever you have to do. But like, it's not technically like NWSL, but it's like, I can make a rule there where I can go get somebody from this state that is 16, 17, right. You know, and I can have them on my team as a, uh, and maybe limit it to like three or four players at a time or something like that, or like a, a squad of Academy. So like you could have a squad of like 11 of younger kids that are, that are playing soccer that you could pick from to have on your roster. So you know, I think that that is something that the MLS or sorry, the NWSL should look at because MLS has now they are now ramping up to where all their teams are. And even they're having a hard time because of money uh, of having these academies and like what those academies look like. Um, so I think that NWSL, again, it's it's a money thing, but I think you could you could form some kind of partnership with either the colleges or somebody where it's like you could have these feeder systems just, you know, yeah. Because there's nowhere to grow the game if you don't have the ability. You can't rely on the players. draft every year. Yeah, like, and they always say that in MLS too. They're like, you get one or two really good players out of the out of the draft. The other ones come from academies. So like, <laughs> it makes no sense. There's that's a reason why the Europeans don't do the draft. It's because they it would just you would it's a very hit or miss because soccer is so large that they're they're going in and trying to find these 16, 17, 18 year old, 15 year olds that are just tearing it up at their level. And if she's practicing with the thorns anyway, then I mean you you sign liability, you sign waivers, like, and I'm pretty sure you can require I, I think all minors have to travel with a parent anyway at a certain age. So like why 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 make it any different? I, I don't get 
I don't get it. I, I don't understand. Like people could go to a high school game and absolutely just start leveling into people if they really wanted to. They would get kicked out, but they would in professional sports anyway too if they're out there throwing out racial slurs or whatever it might be. That so trying to protect them on the field that that one doesn't make sense to me. If, if you can't protect players on a field, that becomes uh, your stadium's issue, not you know that. So again, they're fifteen. She's a minor, but she's getting to that age where she can start to consent to different things, where she can have her images elsewhere. Like just like okay, so for instance, uh, children modeling, like the same kind right. of thing. Like they're making money, they're they're using their rights, they're signing actors, their, right? Children actors, actors and right? Stuff? Yeah. So like this is such uh, it's such crap because a lot of times in the United States, you just you just know that the undercurrent is just discrimination towards women, and it, it's gross. It's just. It's not fair. Like, how come the 15-year-old can go and play for Orlando City on a nightly basis, go home and do his homework, but the girl wants to go play, and they're like, I don't know, it might be a little dangerous for you. I mean, it's such a discriminatory, sexist – it's gross. So I just don't like that that they've got to butt their heads into this and go, oh, she can't play. Well, why? Well, good for Olivia, though. She's not taking no for an answer. (laughs) Right. I I like that. I like that because – you know, there, there could have been other 15-year-olds that have tried this and are like, no, sorry. And you're like, oh, okay, I guess I have to wait. Like, uh, I think Tenorio brought up an example of a 17-year-old that the contract was announced when they were 17 but didn't kick in until they were 18. But, you know, why could the discovery claim work for them? Even though, I guess, because the contract didn't take effect until they're 18. But why didn't the league just automatically reject the claim if they were 17 it, it becomes this whole thing of they don't want the lead they don't want these teams cherry picking players but it almost seems like the nw cell is cherry picking things right now and what i wonder too is how could you not think this was ever going to come up right when you see p- players like connor uh you know um connor Cade and, and and you know like uh uh connor sorry Caden clark uh uh i thought you were gonna say connor cody i was like yeah. when you see like uh you know Caden clark Brendan Aronson, Paxton Aronson, and all these people getting signed super young, playing with this team for a while, and then making moves abroad, which maybe she ultimately wants to do, or maybe she just wants to play here. But, you know, she wants to get her name out there. She wants to play professionally, and they have the rights to. She doesn't. How could nobody in NWSL say, hey, what are we going to say when uh, somebody challenges this? Or if you their excuse is not good enough. Yeah. What if U.S. soccer came? I guarantee they'd let her play then. If U.S. Yeah. soccer came to her and said this is a, or came to the courts and said this is a this is a great player, we need her on our roster to go to the Olympics. Hi, nine hundred. Uh, she makes that roster every time, so it, it does. It's sketchy to me. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to talk about in WSL? I know we didn't spend too much time on the actual games, but we talked uh, a, a big story here. With I was them. just going to say, kind of getting caught up because we're going to start covering it uh, on these uh, episodes. So kind of getting caught up on the league. Um, we did that. But uh, I think the other thing that I really like to speak to and, uh, you know, having watched an interview, I think she, she was on the uh, she was on the cool against uh, that I saw her on. Uh, Lisa Baird, who's the commissioner for NWSL. Mm-hmm has been at the forefront uh, with the 2020 Challenge Cup, the 2021 Challenge Cup, or uh, what do they call it? The one that she believes tournament to. Um, Oh, yeah. So, like, you have all these cool uh, tournaments taking place with women's soccer here in the United States. And I think that 
women's soccer has always been huge here. Yeah, and I would argue even more so than the men's because uh, yeah. it, they've been World Cup, uh, they've been World Cup contenders uh, ever since I can remember. Like ever since I started following them and watching soccer, where I could remember soccer, the women's were the ones that we look forward to because they are so competitive at that stage with Japan, with the Brazil. Like it, it's a fun watch, and I think that the United States has the premier talent. They're going to get the premier talent here. I think that you're going to have the players start to suck in if NWSL. Uh, continues to kind of go on that trajectory, I think you're going to have a lot of the really, really, really good female athletes coming here uh, and, and playing soccer, which is not like what it's like in the uh, MLS, and not, nor do I ever think it will be. But you're going to have a league uh, that, and, and good for them, that is going to give women's sports a, a real platform. I think that's why it's important. Megan Rapino, Alex Morgan, Sydney LaRoe, like, You've got really good athletes here that have a platform, and NWSL has been a great platform for LGBTQ uh, rights. Uh, mm -hmm. You've got uh, systemic uh, or you know racism constantly being talked about by these players, um, and, and people idolize these girls. So that's like you know when you're talking about Olivia, I mean, think about all the young girls out there that are like, this is finally a sport that we have in the United States that is cherished amongst everybody that are finally getting the recognition that they deserve. Um, and this is a league that I can grow up. I'm 15, 16, 17. I can aspire to play with Alex Morgan or, you know, uh, uh, Julie Ertz or, you know, Lynn Williams. Like I can go play with these players and I can become something rather than like the WNBA where, where people are just grossly, uh, you know, pessimistic towards it and, and say right. stupid stuff. Like I think the NWSL, because, People in the United States have seen, which is sad that it took this, but it, they've seen the NW or the women's team dominate. I think they're like, oh well, now we can accept them. Um, but I, I think it's so cool that that the women have a really really good league in this country because they needed it and the longest they, league that they've had so far. Yeah. Right, and so just the way that Lisa Barrett talks about like how important it is for young women to be able to see and compete in professional sports and write in professional sports and be broadcasters in professional sports. Like, it's so cool to see like this movement and NWSL is the one at the leading uh, at the forefront where NWA or WNBA has been around a while. Um, so they, they've just been kind of pushing this narrative NWSL has. So I think that that's a cool thing. And as the league grows, you're starting to see it really take off here. And again, I think it, it has that same, ilk where it can be a really dominant league here in the United States. That's, I mean, it's getting CBS broadcasting, right? So it's, it's yeah. a really good sport. It's a lot it's of fun getting ra good ratings during them too. Right. So I don't know. It, it's cool to see. And it, it's really awesome to see MLS partnering with NWSL too. Like as a season ticket holder for M MLS, I get to go to four free games of NWSL. And if I could afford it, I would pay for NWSL season tickets too. Um, but you know, it, it's so cool to see the women's sport taking off here and that we can go down the street and see some of the best players that's ever played this game here in the United States. Yeah, if only Lisa Baird would let those young women play. Them, huh? <laughs> She's been good about everything else, but this one, I'm like, why can't you figure out this one? Like, you've been so good with like systemic racism. You've right, been so right. great with women's rights. You've been so great getting women working in sports. Like, you're so progressive. But this one, like, come on, like you get this one over the hump too, because this is something that needs to happen to grow your sport, to grow interest. And high school girls can look out there and go, that can be me in two or three years. So again, it's a, it's a platform 
uh, for, for women and women's sports and, and giving a voice to women in this country because they've been uh, you know oppressed for so long and really haven't hit that equality that you want in society. So I think that that's, this is important. And, and NWSL has all the tools to be able to make a difference here. So let's, let's let Olivia play. Let, let's get on the more, even more progressive. All right. I, I want to go back to Miami real quick here because I'm not sure if anybody saw this, but they if they did, everybody? Uh, William, this is from the sun. And this is how you know that they don't pay attention to what's going on over here. Okay. William will a hundred percent leave Arsenal with Beckham's inner Miami eyeing a move. Everybody in the comments, this was at 9 p.m. on the uh, 9 p.m. yesterday. So this is <laughs> hours after the news dropped. Everybody starts commenting. Here's some guy on Twitter. Considering Inner Miami pretty much just got handed a transfer ban, good luck. Clueless fake news British newspapers that just use Inner <laughs> Miami as an easy go to for made up transfer rumors for washed up players make me chuckle. And then people are like linking Tenorio's tweet about like the the transfer issues, like the 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 fines and stuff. Mm. So look, if Miami really is looking at that, uh, you know, congrats on probably getting another fine later on. And uh, if if they're not, like this is why you also can't just trust these transfer rumors that come out all the time, is because especially with players being linked to MLS, if they, especially in like British papers, they'll hmm. link them to Miami. They'll link them to LA. LA Galaxy or LAFC, and they'll link them to the Red Bulls. That's it. That's it. And then you'll have ones that, you know, like when they're linked to like the Union or stuff, you're like, okay, maybe this actually has some legs. Because <laughs> yeah. We don't know about Philadelphia Union right. <laughs> all over there. Right. Uh, but, yeah, so it is funny that just like two hours after the news dropped of the uh, sanctions, you have the sun over in the U.K., I guess making up a story of William leaving uh, for for Miami or William's agent just using that as leverage and not actually like Miami's probably hearing that are like how how the hell are we doing that yeah yeah Miami's like are we are we fudging numbers again fellas <laughs> they're like I thought Paul left I don't know what's going on <laughs> does he have like a nephew here or something we don't know about. Uh, I could see William going to Orlando. We like the Brazilian uh, soccer players, but uh, again, don't bring me him. I no, thank you. Um, <laughs> like bring me a Gabriel Jesus or somebody like that. Don't bring me a William. I, I don't want any part of that. So, yeah, he signed a three-year deal with Arsenal, and all the mm. Arsenal fans were telling Chelsea fans like, "Ha ha, he left you for us." And Chelsea fans were like, uh, "Take him." And then Arsenal fans are like, "Somebody take him." Uh, he had like a good first game. He had that like first three like games. That, that was yeah. pretty much it. Yeah. And they were like, "Oh my gosh, he's revived his uh, career. He's going to nope. be great here." And yeah, that ain't going to happen. Uh, all right. Anything else to talk about here? I, again, I just want to say, you know, the currently standings: Orlando Pride, Courage in second, Louisville in third. Rain in fourth, Gotham in fifth, Red Stars in sixth. Portland Thorns should be a little higher, but they've only played the three yeah. games. It's going to shake out a little differently, I'm sure. Uh, the way it works is like uh, right now there is a spot for the NWSL Shield, which is like the supporter shield. So Pride would be winning that at this point. Then the Courage would go straight to the semifinals. Mm -hmm. And then you have the playoffs first round with uh, Louisville, Rain, Gotham, or Red Stars occupying those spots. So it looks like the Pride 
and the courage as it stands right stands right now would go straight to the semifinals. The other four teams would battle it out to try to get to those semifinals, and then uh, whoever wins those would go to the final. But I'm not sure when it. How long is the season? That's what I want to know. I want to say November is when it ends, or October, like playoffs. Uh, let's see. October 30th. Yeah. 24 matches. I was going to say, because there's not many games you can play, but I knew it was like, I, I think it ends like a month and a half before the men's do. So. And the playoffs start on November 6th, and mm-hmm. the NWSL championship is November 20th. So we'll be talking all about that. Uh, Sunday, the U.S. men's team plays, so we'll probably be talking about that next episode as well as the MLS action that takes place Mostly today, and yeah. uh, like two games tomorrow, or something. really good games tomorrow, though. Yeah. So, well, thanks for stopping by. Uh, like I said, I'll probably do the close pyramid on Monday instead. Uh, but you can follow us on Twitter at Stateside Show, Instagram at Stateside Show, Facebook.com slash Stateside Show, TikTok Stateside Soccer Show, and have a great rest of your week and holiday weekend. Throwing his body in, it's going to fall for Ibrahimovic! Oh, come on! Come on! Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the U.S. Men's National Team, Americans Abroad, MLS, USL. This is Stateside Soccer Show, presented by Stoppage Time Soccer Show. Have a good one.